An addict needs shame, like a man dying of thirst needs salt water. Isn't that powerful? Think about if this was the ocean in front of me and I'm dying of thirst, how it makes so much sense that I just drink. But it'll kill me, right? Shame kills people who are struggling with addiction. Welcome to Philosopher Insights, the podcast that delivers wisdom in minutes a day that you can put into practice daily and strive to master over a lifetime. The podcast committed to sharing ideas that encourage you to bridge the gap between who you are today and the person you aspire to be in the future. Hi, my name is Herb Lamba and welcome to my podcast where I will share practical insights from the world's best authors. Knowledge isn't power, applied knowledge is. The quest to become the best version of you starts right now. Shame, I am bad guilt, I did something bad. And if you've heard me say this before, it's because I've said it every time I've ever talked about shame because there's no other way to explain it. Shame is a focus on self. Guilt is a focus on behavior. The simplest example I can give you is from an academic article that Rhonda Deering and June Taney did on shame and addiction. You get to work late on a Friday because you're so hungover from getting drunk the night before on Thursday night. You're late enough on Friday that you miss a very important client meeting. And your self-talk is, I am such an idiot. I am a total loser. I'm a slacker. I'm I'm a loser. Shame or guilt? Shame. Focus on self. I'm a loser. I'm an idiot. Same scenario, but you get to work and this time your self-talk is, I can't believe I did that. That was a really stupid thing to do. Shame or guilt? Guilt, the focus is on behavior, not self. So why is this important? This is critically, there's nothing, I'm not going to say anything more important than this in our time together, for sure. This is it. Because shame is highly, highly correlated with addiction, depression, suicide, bullying, aggression, violence, eating disorders. And if that doesn't get your attention enough, guilt is inversely correlated with those outcomes. Meaning the more guilt you're able to use and the more you're able to focus on behavior rather than self, the less likely it is that you'll experience those outcomes. In fact, shame and addiction are so intimately correlated, we don't even know where one starts and the other begins. We don't have a temporal understanding of it. Did you start self-medicating because you were full of shame? Are you full of shame because you're self-medicating? We don't even know. We just know it's the perfect storm. There's a great quote by Terrence Reel, who wrote Men in the Myth of Male Depression, the title of the book is I Don't Want to Talk About It. He has some incredible work on marriage, partnerships. He has a quote that says, an addict needs shame like a man dying of thirst needs salt water. Isn't that powerful? Think about if I was, if this was the ocean in front of me and I'm dying of thirst, how it makes so much sense that what I just drink, but it'll kill me, right? Shame kills people who are struggling with addiction. It's why often I think they're struggling with addiction. Guilt, as it turns out in the research, appears to be a protective factor against addiction. I mean, so if you're sitting in here and you're a parent, what you should be thinking, what I would, you know, that's why I'm trying to think of a better way, like no shoulds, but what you should be hell-bent for leather on thinking is this, guilt, good. Guilt, productive. Guilt, adaptive. Shame, extremely dangerous. Extremely dangerous. Another way that I really like to drive this home is if y'all did something, if you individually did something that hurt my feelings, 
Let me see a show of hands. How many of you would be willing to apologize for making a mistake? So every hand goes up. That's guilt, healthy, adaptive. Guilt is, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Shame, I'm sorry, I am a mistake. A significant difference between shame and guilt. So let's talk about blame for a minute because it's important as we go into shame and guilt. Blame is simply defined in the research as the discharging of pain and discomfort. That's it. We blame when we're uncomfortable or when we're in pain, right? So let me give you an example. My husband plays, this always needs a, a huge explanation, underwater hockey. There's a puck and a stick and you're underwater. You're in an 11 foot water polo pool and the puck's on the bottom of the pool. And yeah, so. So he's going to practice. I know you're thinking, I see you shaking your head. Like, what the hell is she talking? Are there horses involved? No. Uh, like you have fins and a mask and you're under there shooting and you come up for breath as, as often as you need to and you try to get the puck in the other person's goal. So he's going to go play underwater hockey one night. And I said, make sure you're back by 10 because I'm really tired and I don't go to sleep well until he gets home. So the next morning, Steve's at work. The kids are at school. I'm home by myself. I'm drinking coffee. I'm getting ready to go teach at U of H. I have on white pants, pink cardigan. I remember exactly what I had on. And I've got a Pottery Barn mug full of coffee. And I drop it. And it hits the tile floor in my kitchen. Coffee goes all over my pants, all over everything. It breaks into a million shards of glass. And my first response is, damn you, Steve. <laughs> and this is the part where if you're here with a male partner, they'll feel quite vindicated during this story. So my first response is, damn you, Steve. Because here's my thought. He was late. I didn't go to bed until like 10.30. Ergo, my extra cup of coffee. And it's his fault that this happened. Because had he not come home, look, and you're shaking your head, like how many of you actually follow that train of thought and believe that's accurate? Okay, right. For those of you listening and laughing, there's a lot of people who believe I'm right. In fact, it was 100%, including all the men. No. <laughs> okay, so that's my thinking. And like within a millisecond, I go from, damn it, Steve, because I'm uncomfortable. And we blame to discharge Anger, discomfort, that's all blame is. It has no adaptive function at all. And in fact, Steve called while I was cleaning up in my underwear because my white pants are off. And of course he calls and I'm like, hey. He said, what are you doing? Oh, I'm cleaning up coffee. What are you doing? He's like, clean up coffee. I'm like, yeah, I'm cleaning up coffee because I dropped coffee in the kitchen. And guess why I dropped coffee in the kitchen? Anyway, all you hear is dial tone. <laughs> so blame is a discharging of discomfort. I always get questions, and more so even now than when I started 10 years ago, isn't shame a good compass for moral behavior? Shouldn't we feel ashamed? Let me tell you the big debate that's going on right now, the huge debate. In fact, there was a, what's the big paper in the UK, The Guardian? There was an article in The Guardian yesterday. I know because I have a shame Google alert. Um, <laughs> that basically said, we should be publicly shaming obese people. Because, and then what the guy wrote in the article is someone, you know, I, you know, he says, I was a fat slob until someone shamed me. And then I got on a treadmill and lost weight. And that's what we should be doing because we shouldn't be footing the bill for people who are struggling with obesity. And if you have seen some of the national campaigns 
national public health campaigns featuring obese children with taglines that say things like, it's fun to be a little girl, but I'm not so little. Or no starts in the buffet line and at home. And so there is a, a huge debate in our culture right now about whether we should be using shame to deal with public health issues. And the answer is no. I don't care how good it makes us feel. I don't care if we see someone that commits some kind of atrocity against the public or hurts someone and it feels good to see them shamed and belittled. Good, that's good. That's the dark side of human nature. There's nothing we can do about that. What I'm telling you as a researcher and 50 years of data, not just mine, there is not a single drop of empirical evidence that shows us that shame is a good way to change behavior. You shame someone for their behavior. What do you think they do? They engage in it even more. What do you think? You shame me about my weight. What do you think I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be visiting Ben and Jerry. You know, I'm going to be in my pantry with a tub of peanut butter. What do we see happening right now in the culture? The mommy wars. Right? Let me just give you this very exacting opinion from me. You cannot claim to care about children and shame mothers for the choices they're making. Period. Period. If you want to breastfeed your kids until they're six, right on. You do it. But if while you're doing that, you're shaming mothers who are bottle feeding their newborns, that's not helpful. And if you want to bottle feed your newborn and then call moms who are breastfeeding until their kids are older, hippies and weirdos, you can. But you're shaming people and you're going to be raising judgmental children. That's just the evidence. Does that make sense? So shame and guilt, hugely different. Shame does not move behavior forward. It is not a catalyst for meaningful, lasting change. Guilt is. Guilt is adaptive. Guilt is cognitive dissonance. Guilt is holding something we've done up against who we want to be. And it's uncomfortable. And that's okay. You've been listening to Philosophy Insights with your host, Herb Lambeth. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To go deeper with me, you can register for free at www.philosopherinsights.com for instant access to a growing library of Philosopher Insights, which are 8 to 10 page PDFs, plus 20 minute MP3s that break down my favorite insights from the world's best personal development books. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Facebook at Optimal Herb. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.